Hey church, we just heard an incredible message that we believe is for you. So get ready to be encouraged, to be strengthened. This will change your life. We love you so much. Come on church. Exciting times here at Shoreline City. Are you ready for a great day? Come on, come on, come on. You ready? You ready? I want you to have high expectations to believe that God can do something significant and profound in your heart and your life today. Thrilled that every one of you are here. If you're here with us for the first time, welcome. My name is Earl and have the honor to be the pastor here at Shoreline. And we just want you to feel like you're with some people that genuinely care about you and love you and are on your side because that is uh, the truth. Uh, we have sisterhood coming up this Thursday night, okay? And... Uh, Sisterhood has grown so much, we now have to have two sisterhood times. And this is a fantastic problem to have. So we were trying to figure out, what are we going to do with all these ladies? Because we don't want to turn ladies away. So what are we going to do? I know what we'll do. Let's raise up more leaders, make more opportunities, open up more jars, more doors. So 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock are the two times. We want you to come on out. It's still going to be a great after party. And it's going to be an absolute blast. So if you are a lady in here, invite someone else. And guys, just so you know, we serve there as well. And it is an absolute blast. All the men just making sure the house is in order. The ladies are covered, protected, serving. Whatever we can do, we are here. We'd love for you uh, to show up. What are the guys wearing on Sunday? I mean, on, on Thursday. We know. Black on black. Okay, black on black. Yeah. So uh, wear black on black. Ben, was that you that said that? Or was that Jesus? White shirt. So it's not black on black. Black and white. Okay. All right. Y'all just making stuff up? I mean, what do we do? Wear orange. We don't care. Just come and help out with the guys. But it will be great for some of you men. You've been trying to figure out how you can get connected. Of course, we've got a bunch of groups for you to go to, but you can serve uh, this upcoming uh, Sunday. We'd, I mean, Thursday. Again, we'd love uh, to have you. Now, a lot of you will know we have uh, multiple campuses. Not only do we have our campus here uh, in, uh, in, in White Rock, but we also have another one in Bishop Arts, and we have one in Antigua, Guatemala. And if you have been paying attention to the news at all, you will know that there was a massive uh, volcano eruption uh, there in uh, Guatemala. Uh, our, where our campus is in Antigua is rather close, actually, to uh, this volcano. Uh, so we got a whole bunch of ash, uh, but none of the lava uh, showed up in Antigua. So we have been uh, a place where people can come, get help, served. Um, we are on the ground there, being trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus as best we possibly can. I want to say thank you to you for your generosity, but because we're a giving church, we're able able to be ready financially to help those families in need. We didn't have to come to the church and say, hey, church, if we want to help, can you please give? It's because you already give that we we're able to jump and help right away. So please don't disconnect your generosity from real people's lives being impacted. Uh, so we're going to help build homes uh, down there. We're going to help just put things back together. Uh, we're not the only church helping and serving. There are obviously others down there. Even one of my friends uh, in California sent us a check, uh, sent us two checks, sent the first one for $5,000 and sent another one for $4,000 just saying, hey, we want to help. We want to be a part. And we know you guys are on the ground and we can trust you uh, with our money. So they sent that to us so we could send it right down there. So again, you are helping. Thank you so much uh, for that. 
Yeah, you can clap for sure. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 1. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 1. I'm incredibly excited about today's message. And hopefully your heart is encouraged and you're pushed forward in your walk with Christ after we're all said and done here today. 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, begin reading in verse number 1. It says, now Naaman was commander of the, arm, uh, the, the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Everybody say leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. This ten talents of silver would be about twenty thousand dollars. And the gold that he brought would, would uh, account for about $60,000. Uh, the clothes here, I'm not sure if he got these clothes from a thrift store, if he got these clothes from Target, uh, if he went to Zara, or maybe all the way up to Neiman Marcus. I'm not sure where he went for the clothes, but he brought 10 sets of them. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Chill out, king. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the Abana and Thathpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, um, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. His flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. The title of today's message is a fun one. 
dip, baby, dip. <laughs> I, uh, I like the Bible. Uh, it's this ancient book written all these years ago. We talked about a few weeks, inspired by God, breathed by God. And it chronicles all these different stories and ultimately the story of redemption and who God is and who we are in relationship to him and centers around Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. But, but as I read through the Bible, I am constantly amazed that this book that, could have, that was written so long ago still applies to our life today. It's fascinating to me that the Bible did not just happen but the Bible still happens. So when I'm walking through and reading this story about Naaman and all the different characters that are in there, I am seeing me and I am seeing you jump off the page. The name Naaman means gracious or pleasant, delightful. It, it carries with it this ah feeling. Well, this man is a commander. He is over the Syrian army. He's got a lot of influence, has a lot of power. He's known. Even the king knows him and appreciates him and values him. He is a five-star general. There are statues potentially put up for him. He, is, he has Instagram followers, like 1.2 million Instagram followers. People know him. Individuals celebrate him, but you discover in verse number four, he's a valiant soldier, but he has a leprosy. All this power, all this prestige, all these people that know him, all these people that celebrate him. He walks into a room and individuals know who he is, where he is from, what he has done. Individuals respect him, but... He has leprosy. Valiant soldier, but he has leprosy. Known, but he has leprosy. She's pretty, but she's divorced. He's smart, but he has a child out of wedlock. She's gifted, but she didn't finish school. He's competent, but he slept around. There's always this thing that comes after the but. And that's the thing that you and I tend to believe disqualifies us. It's the thing that really messes with us when you and I look in the mirror. We tend to see the thing that comes after the but. There could be all this good stuff going on, right? All this good but. You just got to raise but. Just got a promotion, but. Just got married, but. Just had the child, but. And it's these things that come after the but. And, and you and I both know we all have them. We have them, and they many times it feels as if that's the thing that says you can't be used by God. That's the reason you're going to stay stuck there forever. 
That's the reason that no one's ever going to marry you. That's the reason that you're never going to get that business off the ground. That's the reason you will be in that place for the rest of your life. And you and I are looking at this thing after the butt because we all have it and we wish it would just go away. I wish I looked different. I wish I was different. I wish I was from someplace else. I wish I'd made different decisions. If I had done something different, I would not have this thing after the butt, but that thing's not going anywhere. <laughs> Keeps walking with you to every appointment, to every meeting, on every match.com date. It is with you every single place you go. I like the Apostle Paul that he wrote about our weaknesses. We ought to boast in them. So that Christ's power can rest on us. The very thing many times that we're trying to get rid of is the very thing that God is wanting to use to position us perfectly to be his hands and feet in someone else's life. The very thing that you and I are trying to cover up is the very thing God is saying, I want to use that to bring hope and life and strength to people who look just like you, feel just like you, are carrying the same weight that you're carrying. So here, Naaman has this leprosy. And there, a bunch of raiders go out, a bunch of army personnel go out, and they capture a city. And a young lady gets captured. I cannot imagine that this girl was sitting in her house one day going, Oh, Lord, I pray that you would have my whole city ransacked, my life turned upside down, and put me in a place of captivity. Please, Lord. That's not a prayer you pray. She's going about her life doing what she thinks she's supposed to be doing, and then her life gets turned upside down. But even while she is in captivity, you and I are about to see the captive give wisdom to the commander. We are about to see that a person that is in a spot that they do not wish to be in still help someone in a jam that they are in. We find a little girl, a young girl that is in a mess herself, but because she's in her own mess, that does not stop her from helping get someone else out of their mess. She's not waiting for next. She's letting God use her in her now. How many of us are just waiting for the next thing? We're waiting for the next. Oh, once I get married, then God will use me. Okay, once I get unmarried, then God will use me. Once I, ha once I have a kid, oh, once the kids are out of the house, oh, once, the oh, once that, once this, this has to, once this happens, then I'm really going to step into when I get done with school, when I get all this crazy, when, whenever this happens, then I'm going to allow, then I'll get serious. But this girl, I like her. Here she is in the midst of a difficult scenario, and she says, God, you can use me right now. God, you can use me in my mess. You can use me not just in the next, but in the now. God, use me right now. And she speaks up wish you would speak up. I wish you would speak up. I, I wish you would stop thinking that your voice is gone. Because you're in some spot that you don't want to be in, you think your voice is gone. And there are people around you right now that need the hope of Jesus Christ that's on the inside of you. And here you are sulking about where you are, forgetting that God even is using the captivity to bring freedom to somebody else. That's how good God is. All things work together. So he's, uh, 
He gets word from his wife because that's how it works. If any man's going to do something significant in life, <laughs> his wife is going to tell him what to do. Ladies, this is your opportunity to say amen or elbow your husband right there, okay? I just hooked you. That's an alley-oop right there. You dunked that one. He listens to his wife. Because his wife got word from this captive girl. He finds out that there is a prophet in Israel. So he goes to the king. King, hey, can I go? Can I go? And the king says, yes, go. By all means, you've helped me so much. I want to help you. So then Naaman does what you and I do. Naaman grabs as much of the currency of this world as he possibly can. He begins to grab gold. He begins to grab silver. He begins to grab clothes because he's thinking, if I have more currency of this world, then that will position me perfectly for the miracle that God's going to do in my life. Give me more stuff. Give me more influence. Give me more money. Give me more prestige. Give me more of all of this. And if I have more of all of the things of this world, then I will get what God has for me. Little does he know all the currency in this world will not do a thing to get him what God is trying to get him. All this money can't do a thing. But whenever you're sick, you'll go to lengths. Huge lengths. To get it all worked out. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I would do the same thing. Doctor to doctor to doctor. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you if you have the chance to do it? And then at the end of the day, you and I discover, oh, my goodness, there's nothing that nothing can fix this. Only God is going to be able to put this thing back together. He ends up uh, in front of the king. Okay, he's in front of the king, and he's got a letter. Naaman's excited. Okay, he's, he's like, yes. Here's my moment. I'm going to get rid of my leprosy. Hands the king the letter, and the king of Israel reads the letter. It says you need me to cleanse your leprosy. Uh, I don't cleanse leprosy. He's so upset, he rips his clothes. Can I say something that might make some of you upset right now? I, I, I'm going to say it, but I just, I figured if you preface it, it makes it not sting as much, okay? Because <laughs> I'm going to say it. Because I'm reading this, and what's jumping off the page at me is here is the king of Israel that is not able to fix the problem that Naaman has. Here is the government. The government does not have the power to fix the problem that Naaman is dealing with. The government does not have the power to fix the problem that Naaman is dealing with. The government does not have the power to fix the problem that Naaman is dealing with. In order for Naaman's problem to be fixed, it was not going to be a government issue. It was going to be a God issue that was going to make things right in his life. And I am a little bit, oh, let's say frustrated, aggravated, maybe even perturbed. This could be even another word I could use, but since we're in the house of God, I'm not going to use that word. I am so bothered 
that Christians, I see them putting more hope in their flag than they do in the cross of Jesus Christ. I am so frustrated that I see so many followers of Jesus putting their hope in the government and not putting their hope in the God who is greater than every government. I am so thankful for the country we live in. I, I'm thankful. And if you're not a citizen of America, you ought to be. And if you're from someplace else, go ahead and keep voting there. I want you to vote. I Even be a politician. Be a great one. We need godly politicians. I encourage you, be president. Be a congressman, a congresswoman. Go ahead and do all of that. But you and I need to understand, once we become a follower of Jesus Christ, every single political party bows its name at the name of Jesus because nothing on this earth was ever able to save us. It was only Jesus. No political party has ever been able to cleanse you from all of unrighteousness. No political party has been able to take you from darkness to light. No political party has ever been able to put your life on a brand new path. It is God and God alone. His grace, his grace alone. The cross of Jesus Christ alone. The empty tomb and the empty tomb alone. So vote. But don't put your hope. Don't put your hope in the government. Your, your hope not, ought not be there. Once you become a follower of Jesus, government can't fix racism. Government can't do that. Government can't fix sexism. These are heart issues. You don't legislate those things. The blood of Jesus Christ has to purify a person, change them from the inside out for those things to be dealt with. I said I was going to say it even if you didn't clap, so just so you know, you're cla- I appreciate the claps, but it moves me. It does not move me at all. Because the government in this story couldn't fix it. Government has a place, but it's not the place of ultimate authority that belongs to Jesus. So the, uh, the king of Israel is, man, he's upset. He's upset. He's frustrated. He's angry. He doesn't know what to do. And Elisha says, send him to me. I got this. I, I like this a lot. Okay, I like this. Because Elisha, like, owns this moment in a significant way. Like, Elisha steps into the moment. He, he doesn't shy away from it. He, like, occupies the space. And I used to think that humility was deferring. Oh, no, not me. Not me, no. I'm a puppy. I'm a puppy. I'm a, I, I'm a Christian and I'm a puppy. And because I'm a puppy, I just, not me, just you do it. I'm a little kitty cat. Just, you know, just you. Just, I, don't, I don't want, not me, I don't want any praise. No, no. You do it. You do it. Yeah. You. Now I'm talking like Michael Jackson. You, <laughs> you, you do it. I used to think that was humility. I used to think deferring a position that God had given me to somebody else was humility. It's not humility. It's pride. It's selfishness. 
Because you and I are saying, hey, God, you have something for me, but I know better than you, and I don't want people to misinterpret my emotions and misinterpret my motives. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to step away from what you're calling me to do because I don't want to offend anybody else. And the whole time you and I are forgetting that we're offending the God who made us in the first place and created the boundary that you and I are supposed to step into. Humility is you occupying the space that God has destined for you. That's humility. Deferring is not humility. I like how Elisha just says, send them to me. I want to step right into this moment. I want to own this moment. I want to be who God is calling me to be in this moment. Not for my glory, but for God's glory. I want to step in, and I'm just telling you, I'm asking you, church. I'm imploring you, church, to please step into the space. Step into the boundary. Step into the, to the area. Step into the territory that God has for you. Please stop deferring and waiting for someone else. If God wanted somebody else to do it, he would have called on someone else. Why has he put this on your heart? Why did he open the door? in front of you it's because the door is there for you to walk through stop waiting for somebody else to do what God has called you to do I'm so humble I'm so humble no Earl that's disobedience that's what that is no Earl that's not humility that's idolatry you're putting your feelings above my purpose that's what that is Let's call it what it is. But Elisha, I like him. Just steps right into it. My wife is so sweet. Okay, she's, she's like an angel. I'm, I'm married to an angel. Okay, somebody from heaven came down and I'm married to her. And she's fine and she's chocolate and she's my woman and I love her so much. And we totally see you walking across the front right there. There's another door on the other side. <laughs> my, my wife she is my best friend okay she is my best friend she's so sweet but if you mess with her children she will pull a shank out from I don't know where it stab you in the kidney and now it's getting really graphic right it's getting Jason Bourne level right now a couple punctures, drop it. She is, she can, she steps into that mama bear role. Moms, you know what I'm talking about here? You know, somebody messes with your kid. I remember first time somebody messed with our kid, our oldest. First, he was at school and something happened that should not have happened. It was negligence on behalf of the school. And my wife showed up there to that headmaster and I had never seen this side of her. So this is what kept me in line for the rest of my life. Because if she could go there on him, I thought, I'm, on, I'm right here. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, you, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Why? Because God gave her those kids. They're hers. What is she supposed to do? Let, wait for another mom to step in? No, you don't delegate that. God gave her these children. Since he gave her these children, she needs to own it. God, 
Listen, fellas, if you are married to a woman, okay, you are married to your wife, you need to occupy that territory. You serve her. You love her. You protect her. You lead her. You bless her. You encourage her. You hold up her arms. You pull out all the gold that's on the inside of her. You help her become who God destined for her to be. Don't squash her. You lift her up and you inspire her to be everything that the Lord destined for her to be. That is your territory there. That's your space that's your calling wives if that is your husband if you do not occupy that space some other woman might that's too real own that that is your husband you serve him you bless him you encourage him you lift him you inspire him you lead him you hold up his arms you do everything in your power because God did not give that man to some other woman he gave that man to you that is your man occupy the space that God has given you so all right I'll, we got baptisms today right we got that I'm, I'm excited I, we, we got to get ready to go to baptisms okay Gotta get ready to go. But but let, let me let me talk for a little bit longer. Band, don't come out yet. Stay back there, band. Don't give me the keys and try to shut me up, okay? I'll call I'll call you out when I'm ready. I'll call you out when I'm ready. So uh, goes down after this interaction, goes down to Elisha's house. Okay? He gets to the house. And when he's at the house, there is no parade. Parking lot team is not there. There's no host at the door. No one to say, burn, burn, burn. you're the commander of the king of Aram, of the armies of Aram. You're awesome. We love you. Thank you for being here. Yay. None of that. The messenger walks out. Not even Elisha, the messenger. I was thinking, what was the interaction like in the house between Elisha and the messenger? Messenger's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, do you see? Do you see who's coming? The commander's coming. He, he's, he's coming here. What are you going to say to him, Elisha? And Elisha says, I'm not even going to talk to him. You go talk to him. No, 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 no. It's the commander of the army. He kills people. So I don't think I should go out. I think you should go out. I'm not going out. I want you to go out. I want you to tell him to do this. It's the command. Uh, Naaman. On. Uh, Hi, man. Um, he says, just go dip in the water. Like, he says, go dip in the water. I thought he should come out and tell you, but just like seven times and like you dip and then you're going to come out and you're going to be clean and that's all I got for you, man. That's all, that's all I got. And uh, Naaman is angry. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know? Wait. 
you're not even going to come out here yourself and talk to me? Don't, don't you know who I am? Don't you know the school I went to? Don't you know the company that I started? Don't you know who my friends are? Don't you know how much money I have? And don't you, don't you know? You better come out here and talk to me yourself. And if, since you're not going to, fine, I'm done with you then. I'm leaving. So now Naaman's turning around and leaving, about to walk away from his miracle because of pride. You see, I'm so glad the messenger did what, what Elisha asked him to do. Because if the messenger had not done what Elijah asked him to do, the pride that was in Naaman's heart would not have been exposed for what it is. The, the right messenger has come to you to get out of you what needs to get out of you. God has positioned things perfectly to expose the junk that is in your heart and in my heart. And it's not until the right messenger comes that we discover, oh, man. I'm a jerk because I treat men one way and women another because I treat the manager one way and the cashier another. It's because I treat someone who's older this way and someone who's younger this way. And it's not until God sends a messenger in a package that you do not quite jive with, that you discover that you actually think you're better than you think you are. And in this moment right here, Naaman had to be faced with, oh my goodness. I've got more pride in my heart than I even realized. He's about to leave. <laughs> He's about to leave. About to turn and go a whole nother direction. And I'm so glad he had some friends in his life. Because Naaman almost got tripped up because of expectations and offense. Unmet expectations. How many of us in here have unmet expectations? Naaman had the picture in his mind. I know how God's going to do it. I know how he's going to heal me. I'm going to show up and the prophet's going to come out. There's going to be trumpets and confetti. I love confetti. I know I'm a commander, but I love confetti. And the confetti's going to fall. And there's going to be these balloons everywhere. He's going to wave his hand over me. Then I'm going to be cleansed and I'm going to walk out and I'm going to have clean skin. He saw the whole thing in his head. Oh, I'm going to be 27 years old, and I'm going to walk in the church, and I'm going to have on a white dress, and I'm going to see this man who's going to lift his hands and begin to worship, and I'm going to look over at him, and he's going to look at me. And when we catch eyes, we're going to know, yes, you are the one for me. And then we're going to get married on that day at church right when service is over. And now you're 38. Expectations. Offended. Because God could have done it another way, but he didn't. He's doing it his way. Offended. He's leaving because of an offense? Some, some of you might be thinking about leaving this church for something stupid. Let me, and those of you who aren't thinking about leaving, good job. Stay planted. Okay? But let me help you right now. If you're going to be in this church for any period of time, someone is going to bother you. It might even be me. Someone is going to offend you. 
Someone is going to say something that you don't like. Someone is not going to smile at you. Someone's going to sit in your seat. Some usher is going to say, please scoot in. And they're not going to say it with the exact right tone that you wish they would say. Like, shoot, you don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. What are you saying? I'm, I'm done with this church. You're going to leave church because a host didn't smile at you because they were looking at someone else? Come on, church. Come on now. We got, we got to be bigger than this. We got to be better than that. We got to have more maturity than this. So, uh, the expectations, the offense, you need to know it's always easier to leave than it is to stay. It's just easier. It's easier to not deal with it. It's easier. Now, it costs you later, but in the moment, it's just easier. It's easier to fall down than it is to stand up. It just takes more effort and energy to stand up than it does to fall down. It's easier to leave your marriage. You need some people in your life to go, are you, are you leaving for that reason? Wait, what? Why won't you come home and wash your wife's feet? Why won't you? Well, she, wait, wait, no, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about she. I'm talking about you right now. I'm talking about you. Why won't you just wash, why won't you help around the house? How come you? It's the small things. It's the small things, okay? God wasn't asking Naaman to do something massive and huge and cataclysmic. It was something small, but he couldn't even get his pride past that. And almost missed what God had for him. So, uh, so he had some good friends in his life. Okay, I'm going to shut up because we got to baptize people. Uh, ben, come on out. They should be behind this thing right here. And they begin to come out. In a moment. They're going to come out. See that? So, there he is. Ray was just on vacation, too, so that's why he's all tanned and everything, looking all good. Um, listen, Naaman turns around, comes back. The scriptures do not say this, okay? So I'm reading into the text. I'm, I'm assuming something had to happen. Since there were horses and chariots and he's a commander of the army, I'm assuming he did not show up in sweats and a t-shirt. He showed up saying, hey, this is who I am. Look at all the money I have. Look at all the clothes I have. You can look at me and you can tell that I'm important. But in order for him to be cleansed, he had to strip off. The stuff that he put his confidence in. Not alone in front of everyone that came with him. In front of the people that he is leading. In front of the people that look up to him. In front of all of his army. He has to strip. This type of vulnerability... This type of mask removal will be critical 
for you and I to become who God is calling us to be. And as long as we want to keep up all of the pretense and keep up all the phoniness and keep our shields up and keep all of our armor on and make everyone think that everything is perfect all the time and we're not willing to obey what God is calling us to do and to strip down and say, God, my whole life belongs to you. You will stay stuck in what God is wanting to free you from. So here... He has to, he has to dip seven times, not once. It doesn't work the first time. Come on, church. It doesn't work the first time. She came home. I brought her flowers. I did it once. It might not work the first time. Well, I gave him the meal. He didn't even say thank you to me. He didn't even say thank you. And I, it might not work the first time. Well, I showed up early and then my boss was still a jerk. It might not work the first time. It might not even work the second time. I'm talking about the fight of faith. I'm talking about the journey of surrender. I'm talking about you dying to self. I'm talking about you and I becoming who God has called us to be. I'm talking about the first time it not working. How weak are we that we keep quitting when it doesn't work the first time? How, how uh, limited is our vision and our scope when we keep quitting after the third time? And here is God telling Naaman, nope, I don't want you to do it once. Maybe he was wishing, I'll do it one time, and maybe he's just, he was just testing me and it's all going to be clean the first time nope two times three four five six seven one two 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 three four five six seven i know your child's not home yet one two three four five six seven i know the business is not off the ground yet but one two three four five six seven i know my mind is not right the way i want it to be but one two three four five six seven i've gone to so many connect groups of one two three four five six seven one two three four five six seven seven being the number of completion seven being the number of wholeness seven being the, the the numbers that are in a rainbow seven being a musical scale seven being i'm putting this whole thing back together right now i wish i had some sons and daughters that were willing to follow and trust and believe not after just the first time not after the first doctor's appointment or the third doctor's appointment but we'll hold on to what god says one two three four five six seven one two three four five six seven one two three four five six seven i'm not quitting i'm not quitting one two three four five six seven every single time i will keep on trusting hey man come on out here sing for a second come on here let's just sing it may look like i'm surrounded but I'm actually surrounded by him. Uh, how about for a moment we just blow the roof off of this place saying, God, we trust you. God, our hope and our life is in your hand.
church if you gave your life to jesus today we'd love to know you meet you and hear your story so be sure to email your information to info at shorelinecity.church so we can get you the tools you need to grow in christ and impact this world love you church